who's the best protagonist in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? What about the best supporting character? In the first ever Bingies, I share my awards for these and several other categories. I also wrap up this book. Thanks for listening to Belated Binge, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. I'm Zach. I'm your host that didn't read these books until I was a grown man. Hit the music. Get ready for the red carpet. We're giving away some awards. Hey there, listeners. We're the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. Two sisters and Marvel fans who discuss all things Marvel content, including the Disney Plus shows, the movies, fan theories and predictions, Marvel news, and other hot topics in the MCU. Join us each week when new shows are airing on Disney Plus as we break down our thoughts on each episode, predictions about where it's going next, and potential implications for the wider MCU. We also share predictions and reactions to all MCU and MCU-adjacent movies and tackle other fun topics on a bi-weekly basis when there aren't any shows airing. So come along for the ride, because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of Number 4, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. The Belated Binge Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Belated Binge Podcast. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I was incredibly late on, like our current binge of Harry Potter, where despite being the same age as movie Harry, I didn't read this series through until my mid-20s. That's the belated part. Now, we're going back, a chapter or two at a time, digging into some of the storylines, theorizing about what's not on the page, particularly Dumbledore's role and how his master plan is unfolding in the course of the reread. And, of course, infusing as much sarcasm as I possibly can wherever I can stuff it. That's the binge part. Together they make the belated binge, and today we're wrapping a bow around our reread of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone. Before we get into what I got planned today, this podcast will have spoilers. You might be okay this week since it's not a chapter episode, but probably not. This podcast could also have some adult language. You can buy these books in the kids section of your local bookstore, but I didn't read them until I was a grown-ass man. Also, a friendly reminder to rate and review the show on whatever pod player you're using right now. A lot of them use reviews and ratings, and those good reviews are going to help more people choose to give the show a listen. Help it get discovered. Help it grow. Help it succeed. And help it, ultimately, uh, help me keep the motivation to keep the thing alive. So I do appreciate any of you that go ahead and leave a five-star, please, review on the show. Today, we are having our first ever Bingies episode. And if you're picturing Michael Scott emceeing with Dwight as his hype man, giving away silly, meaningless awards to characters on The Office while Pam gets tanked, falls over, and makes out with Jim, okay, making out's a little strong, but that's exactly what we're doing here. So let's start it off the only way that feels appropriate. I was going to get a beat for this, but I didn't want to have to worry about copyright. So instead, let me set the scene. You're minding your own business at your local Chili's. 
You had a long day at work, and you're on your third light beer because you're not trying to prove that you're a beer snob. Your half rack of ribs just showed up, still steaming on the plate. You tuck your napkin in your shirt because you only have three work shirts, and you care more about not buying a fourth than what anybody thinks about you. You pick up that barbecue-covered slab of meat and bone, and just as you lift it to your fully gaped jaws, you see a strange man holding a microphone with the hood pulled up of his all-black zip-up. And an even stranger-looking dude in a mustard-colored shirt who starts playing music. And then you hear... The Bingies. How can I explain it? I was late to come around, so we're calling it belated. It's never been debated because the binge is underrated, but to anybody here, I'm so happy that you made it. Now first, before the best and worst, let's remember what has happened in the chapters that you heard. A rich little wizard boy whose mama really loved him was the target of a curse from an evil supervillain. Left without parents and a lightning-shaped scar and lied to by the Durses that they died wrecking a car. Until a friendly half-giant came breaking down the door and left three little piggies there to swim their way ashore. Sure, he scooped up that little boy, saying, Harry, you're a wizard. The real bad man kind of looks like a lizard. Nobody knows why his curse became aimless, but now you'll go to school and be happy and famous. He rides on a train no muggle's ever seen before and meets his future family and learns to be a Gryffindor. When he and his new bro nearly come to blows with a blonde-haired boy with a punch-friendly nose, then they both go and meet the smartest witch they'll ever see and read the back of a card of head wizard on the street. It takes a long time for the two to be a three, but luckily a troll's set loose on Halloween. After knocking out the beast and earning five measly points, they form the golden trio and start really making noise. They uncover a plot to steal a valuable stone. Detention in the woods reveals what nobody knows. The super bad man, who doesn't have a nose is trying to get a body wreaking havoc on his foes they figure out the place and the time it's going down but somehow when they try there's no dumbledore around so they set off for the stone before it can reach the wrong hands and find out hermione's a witch with a plan they get through the trap door and the obstacle course and harry takes on quirrell host and baby voldemort the struggle nearly kills him but thanks to dumbledore the only death that we reads the dumber half of quirrell the stone gets destroyed along with harry's innocence and now we're giving out awards that are Virtually meaningless. Okay, joke landed. Not sure how to transition from that. So if you're familiar with the show, you know that I give away meaningless awards on every single episode. Two of them being the game ball for the standout character who deserves to be rewarded and the red card for the character that sucked and I wish we could throw out of the book. I wanted to tally up the votes from the entire season, all of book one, and basically just let you know how it shook out. And these also included the choices from our guest hosts during the season, Sarah from First Years and Amanda from The Fox and the Fox Sound. But before we get to the tallied results, I also asked for your opinions, and you came through. Hey, this is Amy Burke, and I just wanted to weigh in. So I think the game ball for the entire first book should go to my girl, Hermione. As you already discussed, our hero would be lost without her, if not dead. Uh, The book could not really develop the way that it did without her, and it showcases her character that she was willing to help and forgive these boys who were essentially jerks to her when they first met. So my vote is for Hermione, hands down. Amy was the first person to use the voicemail feature on the website, and I can totally get behind Hermione as the game ball for this book. Definitely. I also got some comment responses. Hogwarts a pod on Instagram said the members of our podcast that discussed this could not come to a consensus on best character. 
Dan, our host, argues Harry's the best character in Sorcerer's Stone since we're experiencing the wizarding world from him for the first time. Anna says Ron. Worst, definitely Vernon. He's gotta go. This is a solid take, and Ron, in my opinion, is a very underrated character in these early books. If he wasn't such a turd to Hermione early on, he might be a legit candidate for the game ball on this one. Other feedback from Jamie on Twitter said, Best, Harry and Friends. The worst, the Dursley Muggles. Short, sweet, to the point, I'm not even going to take away points for not picking a single character. I'd gladly give the trio a collective game ball and send the Dursleys back to that rock in the middle of the sea if I was the one making the rules here. Oh, I am making the rules here. But, alas. Alright, so let's get these bingies started with the awards from the first season of the Belated Binge Podcast, starting with The Game Ball. The Game Ball. So when I tallied everything up, Harry was the one who got the Game Ball for this first book as a whole, with a total of five Game Balls throughout the first season, which is damn near half the episodes that were recorded. This shouldn't come as too much of a shock. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, Dan from Hogwarts A Pod mentioned, like, He was the vessel in which we got to experience the Wizarding World for the first time. Uh, And despite the fact that most people don't consider Harry their favorite character, which I discussed in the episode called uh, Wizard Mullet Gone Wrong with Amanda from The Fox and the Foxhound, most people pick someone else as their favorite character. Apparently it's not cool to root for the main character of the series, but just for the record, you can still be a Harry Potter fan and actually like Harry Potter. I'm just saying. Here are some highlights for Harry in this book. He gives the Wizarding World more than a decade of Voldemort-free living before he can even walk. He frees a snake from captivity, which is kind of awesome. Peter would be down. He reacts humbly when learning that he's a wizard. He acts fiscally responsible when he finds out that he's rich. He shows strong judgment and a uh, a grounded character uh, is maybe a good way to say it when he dislikes Draco. He shows instant loyalty when he stands up to Draco and cronies with Ron as well. He takes charge in saving Hermione from a troll. He successfully doesn't die and also wins Quidditch twice. He pieces together the mystery of the Sorcerer's Stone and some heavy-handed hints that he got along the way. He again takes charge in their quest to protect said stone. He burns a man's face with his bare hands and manages to keep Quirrell and Voldemort from getting the stone without dying. And he helps Gryffindor win the House Cup. Not a bad book. Rounding out the podium for Game Balls were Hagrid, who had three Game Balls, and Hermione, who got two Game Balls. And in case you're keeping track at home, those three accounted for ten of Game Balls given away in this first season. So, that leads us into the red card. Red card. So with the red card, it was not nearly as cut and dry. We actually had a tie. Petunia Dursley and Draco shared the top spot for our Worst Character Award with three each. However, as I mentioned before, I make the rules around here, and I'm going to say that in a tie, it goes to Draco. He won this award because one of Petunia's was actually a collective Dursley's red card, and Draco was honorable mention red card for two other 
episodes, I believe a total of three times because I think that Amanda and I both had him as our runner-up in the uh, Wizard Mullet Gone Wrong. So basically, he's the worst character in this book, period. And by worst character, I mean he sucks the most. Not that he's like literally the worst character, although to be fair, he was written to be the worst. Make sense? No? Good. We're on the same page. Some lowlights for Draco. He's immediately perceived and portrayed as a spoiled racist and judgmental when we meet him in Diagon Alley. He threatens to kill Harry on the train. He bullies Neville several times, including, but not limited to, the remember-all in the Great Hall, the scene in the Quidditch stands, not to mention all of that shit-talking that he did after Neville hurt himself with the brooms and then Harry has to go chase him and we get the whole, like, throwing of the remember-all and the Harry chasing it, catching it, then he becomes a seeker. Woohoo! So, thanks, Malfoy. Uh... Anyways, where was I? Uh, in the forest detention, he was awful to Neville. Uh, and when he did the leg locker curse on him in the hallway for no apparent reason, he basically spent the whole book doing two things. One was bullying Neville, and two was trying to get Harry in trouble, including, but not limited to, setting him up to be caught by Filch in the Midnight Duel, telling a teacher when Harry got his broomstick, sneaking out to tell on them during the dragon chapter, and he also has a really punchable face. Did I miss anything? third place here was actually another tie between Vernon and Quirrell, which is amazing, because Quirrell literally had the Dark Lord growing from the back of his skull like a baby parasite, and he barely made it into the top three of worst characters in this book. And I didn't even mention Snape here. Way to go, Draco. Now, you might think that our episode is over for this week, and if you think that, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for me. I didn't want to just stop here with the character rewards that we give out every single week. That wouldn't make for a very fun binges episode, so I've got more awards to give out. And we're doing it just like an award show, with several categories, web nominees, and winners. In future seasons, I'd actually like to make this very interactive with voters from listeners, maybe get patrons involved, and make it, you know, a whole thing. Maybe even have stuff of my own to actually give away or something. Sky's the limit here, but this is basically a concept episode where our feet are firmly planted on the ground, we're not flying, and I'm playing the academy and the voting pool. Want to change it? Tell me if you would disagree or agree with my selections by reaching out in the form of your choosing. They are as follows. You can leave a voicemail on the website bladedbench.com. You can submit a contact form on that same website. You can email the show, belatedbinge at gmail.com, or you can use your choice of social media at belatedbinge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Now, shout out to Books of Brilliance on Instagram for the basic foundation of this idea. I randomly saw a post of theirs, and I adjusted it yeah, all right, fairly a lot, uh, to hopefully uh, make it a fun and intriguing episode for the podcast. Um, but the original thought of theirs, cool on them. By the way, they have no idea I exist, so they won't probably ever hear this. Unless you know who they are, then, you know, have them listen to the podcast and give it a review and rating and all that stuff. Anyways, let's change some people's lives. Our first 
character award category is going to be for best protagonist in this book. And our nominees are Harry Potter, Hagrid, Hermione, Ron, and Dumbledore. The winner for this category as best protagonist, this is our first intro into the series, right? We're introduced to the Wizarding World. Uh, we actually see the whole thing start to unfold as muggles through the eyes of Vernon Dursley. So we are shiny brand new in this series. And this book has an incredibly high nostalgia factor for that reason. This is the beginning, the beginning of everything. So we've got to go with Harry, right? It's a big deal that we got to meet the boy who lived and the main character whose perspective we're going to be reading this entire series through from here on out. And in his own right, he's a great protagonist, especially in this first book. Sure, he's not the smartest. He's not the best at magic. His instincts, though, are pretty remarkable. His intuition is great. His bravery is awesome off the charts, and his morality is incredibly high, especially for an 11-year-old. He's the hero of this story, and he deserves protagonist of the year, or I guess for the season. It only took us like three months. How did it only take us three months to go through the first book? These things are really going to start getting longer as we go on, aren't they? That's rhetorical. I've read these books before. I know they get longer. They get longer. They get darker. Shit goes crazy in these books. And I'm excited for it. I hope that you are too. So, anyways, best protagonist for this book, Harry Potter. That's my vote. That brings us to our next character award for this episode. And it's going to be the best antagonist. The foe for our hero. The nominees for this are... Snape, Draco, Vernon Dursley, Voldemort, and Quirrell. And the winner of Best Antagonist for this first season of Belated Binge is... You thought I was going to tell you right there. We're not going to commercial break. I just have things to say first. <laughs> In this first book, we have really solid options for antagonists. I could have added more to this list. And if it was up to me, I'm giving it to Snape. Snape is the worst. Not to be confused with worst character, but he's a complete asshole. He bullies children. He's an ineffective teacher. He also tries to save Harry from being murdered and helps protect the stone. He's not a good person. And in my opinion, he's almost too awful to even be a good character. Almost. But as an antagonist, as someone for Harry to hate, seethingly hate and the feeling be absolutely mutual if you hate Snape and of course for those of you that love him somehow it makes an incredibly compelling antagonist for this opening book we get that almost shrouded misery like mystery of why does Snape hate Harry so bad what's his deal he makes a perfect red herring because you can absolutely believe that he's the bad guy. Although, along the way, he's actually doing some good things, but they're all hidden by his awfulness and his sheer assholeness. And that's just his character in a nutshell, particularly in this first book. And again, 
it's a grown-ass man, a professor, a teacher, bullying the children in his classroom. He's the worst antagonist. Now, let's give away some more awards, and this one is going to go to Best Supporting Role. And the nominees are Professor McGonagall, Old Prof Mujie, Dumbledore, the head wizard on the Cobble Street, Quirrell, the dumber half of Crotomort, Hagrid, our friendly half-giant, and Neville, the not joking. I don't know why I gave them all nicknames there, just did. It's crazy to say supporting role for any of these characters, but particularly this one. But that's exactly what it is. I'm going with Dumbledore for this award. And I say it's crazy because truly, he's barely in the book. While he opens things up for us to the magical side of the world, he then basically just becomes a name drop throughout a lot of this book. An idea, a theory, a, a calming presence, but more of a pedestal and a, a being, a larger-than-life idea. But the scenes he's actually in carry a ton of weight, and they're so important that they'd be enough to give him this particular honor of Best Supporting Character. From the opening chapter I mentioned, giving Harry the invisibility cloak, the mirror of Erised exchange, and then saving Harry's ass at the end, stopping Quirrell from taking the stone from Harry, and to the ending exposition, and awarding the points that make Harry and Neville the Gryffindor heroes. But then if we consider the presence that he also has behind the scenes, the puppet mastery, the master plan that I mentioned about 8,532 times per episode, his influence is astronomical, despite really only appearing on a handful of the pages. It's the definition of a supporting character, and it's the definition of a damn good one. So the next character award that we're gonna go with is the most underrated character, and the nominees for this one are... Neville, Pravati Patil, Harry Potter, Hagrid, and Charlie Weasley. For this one, I was really surprised at the importance of the character that I ended up choosing for this particular book. I'm giving it to Hagrid here. He was so instrumental to the plot, and as a character ally for Harry throughout the entire book, I was shocked at how many times that I actually gave him the game ball in the chapters that he was in while we were reading them for the the episode. He's considered by a ton of people in this fandom, especially during these early books, as just a drunken, bumbling, giant idiot who has a habit of saying the wrong thing and giving shit away. So much so that in the last book after the Seven Potters debacle, when they're stewing about who would have given them up, he comes to Harry's mind. And Harry comes to his defense. But despite all of this, and aside from my personal theory that none of those giving shit away were actually slip-ups, he does so much for Harry in this book. We kind of forget about his importance. Rescuing him from the house after his parents were murdered. Bringing him his Hogwarts letter. Telling him personally that he's a wizard. Telling him about his parents and about Voldemort standing up to the Dursleys and defending Harry, taking Harry 
to get ready for school. Giving him things for his birthday, which nobody ever truly cared enough to do. The cake, Hedwig, and the first letter Harry ever got when he was at school. Quite literally, a first friend for him at Hogwarts. And the photo album at the end of the book with his parents' pictures in them. This dude was an absolute pillar of this book, holding it up, and he deserves his credit, or his flowers, or whatever the kids say these days. Hagrid, most underrated character. Alright, so we're moving away from the character awards, and I'm going to take another pause here to ask you, how'd I do? What would you agree with? What do you disagree with? Let me know on all the things I said earlier, if you're somehow coming in in the middle of an episode or you skipped that part or you just forgot you can do so on my website belatedbinge.com on social media at belatedbinge or email the show belatedbinge at gmail.com out of the characters into more of the book itself this award is for best plot development and the nominees are the introduction through vernon's eyes hinting at the magical secret It was just such a great way to open up the story. Make it feel like it was just beyond our reach. And we talked about that a lot in our first chapter episode, Head Wizard on the Cobble Street. But it also developed the Dursleys, well, suckiness. Uh, It planted the seed for magic and for Harry being special. And also the tragedy of Harry having to live with them at all. And the neglect that he deals with. That introduction set the stage brilliantly, not just for this book, but for the series. The second nominee is the multi-generational rivalry being set up through Harry's relationships to Draco and Snape. We can't have a protagonist without antagonists, and these ones are the worst. And by the worst, that kind of makes them the best. And we're in for six more books of the developing dynamic between these two foes for Harry, particularly at Hogwarts. The third nominee is the forming of the trio, how they didn't like Hermione at first, but she was kind of always around at key moments, how they ended up on just unintended adventures and end up coming together as friends. This friendship is the most important aspect of these books, and it just, it didn't come together with a perfect bow. They didn't fall off of the train together into a pile and go, we're all friends now. They didn't sit together and just chum it up. I mean, Harry and Ron did, obviously, but Hermione was not a part of that. If it was, and it was just perfect, and it didn't have its kind of rough beginnings, we probably wouldn't believe it. But we do. The fourth nominee is the Scarburn. Throughout the book, we keep coming back to this pain in Harry's scar. It starts out he's thinking that it has something to do with Snape, because the first time he feels it, he's looking at Snape, and Snape's looking at him, and Snape hates him, unknowing that Voldemort was actually there too. And the more the threat of Voldemort rises, the more we get that scar burn. And it's never truly explained in this book, but by the end we get the gist that it has to do with Voldemort because it's ultimately that pain in his scar that causes Harry to pass out during that final altercation with Quirrell. And this is when the two of them are literally touching each other. It's going to be even more important through the story moving forward. And it's a layer of intrigue 
established really, really early and quite well. So of those four plot developments, the winner, I'm going with the trio forming. I almost didn't do this award. I thought it was an incredibly obvious choice, if I'm honest with you. But as I was thinking about it, I did think that those other three were interesting enough to at least give them mention and give them a little bit of a call out and hopefully make you think of others that I perhaps missed uh, or decide between those four which one you actually thought was the best development in the plot throughout this first book. But again, the trio its literally the most important thing in this series. Our next award for this first ever inaugural Bingies episode for season one is best uh, plot twist. This kind of needs to be caveated. These books have a really big deliberate plot twist reveal at the end pretty much throughout the whole series. They're all written that way. It's it's the biggest, most obvious choice that we're going to try to omit <laughs> from this award. So for this one, I've chosen the Voldemort sticking out of the back of Coral's head as that big twist reveal that was deliberate in the books. There were Easter eggs about the turban kind of throughout in this weird whimpering scene, but if anybody saw Voldemort's face protruding from the back of this guy's head coming, you shouldn't be reading fiction, you should be writing it. So with that one completely out of the running, here are my nominees for Best Plot Twist. Harry's a what? In Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys, Hagrid drops a half-giant-sized bomb on our main character, telling him he's a wizard who belongs in a secret part of society that can do magic, and he's invited to be trained at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. At this point in the story, we know that something's going on with this Harry kid. We as readers figure he's probably special, and it probably has something to do with those people in cloaks from Chapter 1, and it seems kind of magical, but... If we weren't sure what the deal was with this kid yet, now we know. The second nominee is You Know Who? Forenzi telling Harry about Voldemort drinking the unicorn's blood in Chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest. He tells him about the blood keeping you alive, but with a cursed life. And ultimately, that Voldemort is doing so just to stay alive long enough to try to steal the sorcerers, or Philosopher's Stone, from the school. At this point, Harry thinks it's Snape that's after the stone. He has no idea why, presumably to become mortal rich and powerful, right? That's what evil villains do. But this is where we get the Voldemort twist, and the stakes go through the roof. Or to the stars. Planets? Whatever. They're high, and it's a hell of a twist. Nominee number three. The Red Herring Alert, the cliffhanger we get in Chapter 16 through the trapdoor being revealed in 17, The Man with Two Faces, that Quirrell is the real bad guy, and not Snape. Yes, this is how red herrings work. But also, yes, this one was done really well. Harry's got this entire idea in his head, and he's pretty much nailed what's going on. But he's gone the whole book thinking Snape is evil and trying to kill him while plotting to steal the stone, only to find out he was actually helping him stay alive, despite how much he hates him and bullies him personally. And Quirrell is the real bad guy here, 
except you know the real bad guys actually on the back of his head but we we omitted that twist anyways fourth nominee here he's off his rocker also in 17 the man with two faces we get the reveal that dumbledore may have planned this whole thing all along and intended for harry to try and stop quarrel the trio they have a short but important discussion about it and when we step back and we think that's a hell of a plot twist that all those moments throughout this entire book that we just read were actually intended by the old man in charge of the school and the safety of its students yeah that's a twist a hell of a twist and the winner this is obvious if you know the show it's Dumbledore pulling the strings on the whole thing we went way deeper than the trio when we read this book and getting the confirmation at the end that at least one of my many crackpot theories about this master plan is absolutely true in that the head wizard on the cobble street is letting 11 year olds face off against dark wizards and shit is a crazy crazy world of just emphatic plot twist it's enough to make you read it again and try to look for more clues of it and then start a podcast that wraps up this section of our awards which are uh which were the best plot development and best plot twist the next ones are going to be a little bit less uh serious a little less maybe obvious and perhaps traditional um they're going to be i don't know i'm just going to tell you what they're called i'm calling them the prop bets and if you don't know what a prop bet is the only way that i can explain it is through the terms of betting on the super bowl of course you can bet on who wins the super bowl you can bet on the score you can bet on the the sports ball blah 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 but the super bowl is an event it's not just a game with the commercials the parties and all the nonsense it attracts just about every eyeball attached to a human face and so how do the gambling the gambling establishments capitalize on this prop bets you can bet on everything from how long the national anthem singer is going to take to finish the song who's going to win the coin toss is it going to be heads or tails what color the gatorade is going to be when it gets dumped on the winner's heads for our purposes these prop bets are just some random awards i made up and wanted to give away and the first one is going to be the total badassery award and just to be clear i'm i'm not doing a bunch of nominees for this there's literally one option and it's neville getting into a physical altercation with crab and goyle at the same time he loses this fight he ends up knocked out in the hospital wing but the gryffindor was on full display go neville total badassery award the next prop bet award is the awesome shit that i'd forgotten about award and this one is going to pravati patil being just awesome in the flying lesson chapter she's the first to stand up to draco trying to defend neville and she tries to defend harry to prof mcgee when she thought that he was getting in trouble for flying she does this awesomeness and we don't really hear from her again for quite a while and to me this kind of seems like a missed opportunity to develop a what could have been pretty damn cool character but i can't give her that satisfaction what i can give her is the awesome shit i'd forgotten about award because 
I totally forgot that that happened in this book. The next prop bet award that I'm going to give away is the Mulligan Award. And this is more for me. It's one important thing that I missed bringing up in the moment. I thought of it later, uh, particularly uh, when it had to do with conversations that um, Sarah from First Years was having and when we were talking, is Hagrid saying that not a witch or wizard who went bad wasn't in Slytherin. That was back in the Diagon Alley chapter. And quite frankly, it's not true. And he knows it. Although he admittedly knows for the wrong reason, he's still literally lying to Harry's face. At this point, he thinks Sirius was guilty, and Sirius was a Gryffindor, so he obviously doesn't believe that only bad wizards come from Slytherin. And this is one of those moments that feed into that house bias narrative that it gets people in the fandom just completely all riled up. I'm looking at you, Sarah. You can hear a lot more about it in the discussion of the chapters 14 and 15, Jack's Teller with Hooves, when she was on the show, as well as in our bonus episode that we did for all-star level patrons. The final prop bet award that I'm going to give away for this week, the Dumbest Plot Device Award. And this probably won't come as a shock if you've listened to all of the chapter episodes, but the Quirrell and Snape dynamic that's meant to further our suspicions of Snape as that red herring and somehow let Quirrell sneak by us is successful? Yes, the first time you read it, it works. But on a rereading, it's just so dumb. We're supposed to believe that Snape caught Quirrell in his plan to use a troll as a diversion on Halloween sneak up to the trapdoor and stopped him from killing Harry during a Quidditch match. He refed the next match to make sure that he didn't do it again and then confronted him in the woods about his plan. And that Quirrell's act of innocence and confusion all works. And on top of that, his defense of the stone is a troll. The same thing as his diversion attempt on Halloween and somehow, somehow, He's still a teacher in this school around children and that Snape and or Dumbledore wouldn't have just kicked this guy's ass and got him the hell out of there. No shot. It's stupid. It's childish. It's part of the reason that these can be found on the shelf of the kids section. We need a way for Harry to be the hero in the end. Yes. But doing it this way does not hold up under scrutiny. Still a great book though. Just to make that clear. And that's it. That's all I got for you this week. What did I miss? What decisions are you cussing at me for? What other awards would you like to give away in future binges? Do you even want more binges? Let me know. You can share your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. And if you prefer to write in, you can submit your feedback on the contact form of that same website. Email belatedbinge at gmail or use social media at belatedbinge across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Otherwise, with that, we've reached the end of the first binges and officially wrapped up season one. And this being my first podcast, I'm actually feeling quite accomplished with myself. And I can't thank you enough for listening and letting me talk about this book. So what now? Well, season two, obviously. I put it on social just to check and see if you wanted to hear me continue the Harry Potter series or switch it up to something else that I happen to be late to come around on because the options are vast. 
The feedback was uh, admittedly sparse, but I did get the sense that I should go ahead and start Chamber of Secrets, so that's what I'm going to do. I do plan to take some time off um, between now and Season 2 officially starting with chapter episodes uh, and jumping into Book 2. This is going to give me some time to iron out some of the updates on the show format that I want to make, as well as Patreon benefits and just to give you an idea, my goal for next season is to make the show more interactive and engaging with and for you. So with that in mind, I want to hear what you want more of in these episodes. What do you like? What could you live without? Any ideas and feedback are welcome. And also, what benefits would you want to have available on Patreon? And since I won't be doing new episodes over the next couple of weeks, you need to have something to listen to, and I'm going to level with you. I haven't gotten anyone to sign up as an all-star level patron as of this moment, which means I've been putting bonus episodes up on Patreon for no one to hear. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a few of my favorites. I'm going to post them here on the feed during the break between the seasons. Not all of them. If you want them all, the backlog is still going to be a patron-only benefit, but at least a few of them are going to be out there and maybe you'll enjoy them enough to support the show at that level and i just want to say this is not going to be a habit once there are patrons getting the bonus episodes i intend to keep them exclusive to patreon and honestly i probably won't even add more until there's patrons there to hear them i do want to say this though i told myself at the beginning of this podcast journey that i was not going to be one of those independent podcasters that begs for patrons every week I do try to offer value over there, I promote it in the episodes, but I'm not going to guilt trip you into doing it. That's not what this is meant to be, that's not my intention or anything. I'm literally just giving you a peek behind the curtain and a heads up on what's coming next over the next few weeks before we get into season two and uh, we'll do so with similar to what I did in season one. I'm going to post a season two teaser, uh, a preview episode if you will, before we dive into the chapter series. And that's where I'm going to change any or share the changes that uh, I make to patron benefits, show updates, and um, whatever else you need to know in order to keep up with the binge in season two. As always, shout out to producer Jack, who I work like a dog, and I hope you'll still be here through season two and beyond. I can't wait to get started right here on the Belated Binge Podcast. Hope you have or a good holiday said hermione looking uncertainly after uncle vernon shocked that anyone could be so unpleasant oh i will said harry and they were surprised at the grin that was spreading over his face they don't know we're not allowed to use magic at home i'm gonna have a lot of fun with dudley this summer It's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite 
How many times I've been told we look alike? I'm no Harry Potter. No half giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich. Having a podcast takes a lot and it's not easy. So your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. And there are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different, and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself. Whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media, maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, you can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belatedbinge across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, binge award participation, input on show content and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that'll unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it.